welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are going to be looking at day one of NBA free agency. In particular, the Thunder re-signing Lou Dort on a five-year contract. The statuses of Mike Muscala, Isaiah Roby, and Teo Maladone. How the Thunder roster is going to look post all these moves. And some of the other tidbits we've heard around the league. In particular, Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. And to top it all off, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. Getting into things though, guys. The OKC Thunder. They walked into this week with a couple of different things they needed to deal with. Sam Presti had his uh, rookie introductory press conference last weekend. And he gave some great insights on the roster. Why he selected who he did. Uh, But he also dropped a couple different players in the media scrum. uh, Mainly Lou Dort and his contractual status. As well as Jermichael Green and where he kind of rests on the Thunder's roster. But... You get through that, we go into free agency day, Thursday, 5 p.m. kickoff time, and they had a few options they had to deal with prior. They have Isaiah Roby and Mike Muscala, both on team options, and then you had Teo Maladone and Lou Dort that you needed to worry about as well. We're going to start with the biggest domino of them all with Lou Dort. And this is interesting because, like I said, the Thunder signed him. This was one of the moves that came about 30 to 40 minutes after the 5 p.m. start time. And they inked him to a pretty big contract. A five-year, $87.5 million deal on average at 17.5 mil over five. I'll go into the nitty-gritty of what the actual money stacks up to year by year. Uh, But this is big time for him. And just a few days ago, you would have never known that Thunder had any intention of signing Lou Dort to an extension this week, uh, much less a five-year contract extension, because Sam Presti, in his rookie press conference, basically said that they plan on exercising Lou Dort's team option, paying him $1.9 million for the upcoming season, and then worrying about utilizing him and trying to negotiate a contract during the year or once he hit free agency but as an unrestricted free agent we saw how this panned out actually today Jalen Brunson went to New York what a what a shocker that was that he went to the Knicks nobody knew that was gonna happen um we'll see if they lose any draft equity over what happened there but I mean the Mavericks they had an opportunity to acquire him mid-season this year. They didn't do that, and he walked away. Former second-round pick. I believe the contract structure was a little bit different than Dort's uh, to where I don't believe the Mavs could have declined an option last summer to make him restricted. So that was a bit of a miscue there. Uh, But, you know, with these second-rounders, you always want to have that sort of option to where you can lock them in as a restricted free agent. So, You know, when you're weighing the positives versus the negatives on this situation, you can kind of draw up pros and cons for both sides. The talk Presti made uh, signaled that they were going to exercise that fourth year, which comes with the major upside of barely having to pay the man. I mean, he was 
basically the most underpaid player in the NBA last season, and he would have been most definitely again this year. But you have that short-term success for what could be just major consequences of him walking away without you receiving a penny. And that would be a big time hit for the Thunder where, you know, a guy like Lou Dort, they've been kind of scouring the market and just draft prospects for years trying to find someone like Lou Dort. The team is obviously different. You don't have Russell Westbrook and Paul George made in the show anymore, but you still want to have a really good two-way wing. And that's what they found in Lou Dort. I think he's better than all the previous ones we've seen. Andre Roberson was the best defender. Tabo Cephalosha might have been the best combination of defense and three-point ability. But right now, at 23, I think Lou obviously has higher potential in both of them. And he's shown the offensive upside that no one else has been able to at this current position. So for them to make the gamble, it could have had major, major upside because of next year's free agency, how the Thunder might have wanted to play it. But... OKC is not a hot market. Let's just call it how it is. They could have lost everything, including Lou Dort, next summer. So instead, they decided that they were going to decline that team option this um, this go-around to make them a restricted free agent. And because of that, you're able to match offers and you're able to secure Lou Dort long-term. That's ultimately what this comes down to. You would think that maybe they wanted to wait, see what the offers would be. I thought that he was making maybe 12 to 15 mil on this extension per year, maybe 17 mil at the top level. Um, But it looks like they didn't go into any sort of bidding war or they didn't wait for offers. They were kind of set on signing Lou, given the timing of this deal, and they got him for five years. That is major. Based on what we have now and... There's been conflicting reports on whether his fifth year is going to be an option or whether it's set in stone guaranteed money, but regardless, four or five years, that's a long-term commitment for the amount of money the OKC Thunder are shoveling out, and when this first dropped, uh, my tweet was something along the lines of, here, I'll just, I'll pull it up so I can kind of discuss. I said, I think at face value, Lou Dort's deal is a bit of an overpay. However, Dort is a 16-win type of player. That was shown versus Houston in 2020. Playoff paces get paid big. You pay up for players such as Dort. So I think based on, you know, what the expectation was, he did get paid a little higher per year than what was kind of imagined. I still think that it's a solid contract because you get him for the long run. And like I mentioned previously, you want to have this slam dunk type of player that the Thunder have just basically thrown first round picks at for 10 years. You know, they were throwing back to back first rounders. I think it was 2013 and 14 on Andre Roberson and then Josh Hustis. Hustis didn't really stick with the team. Andre Roberson Stuck around, but he was a offensive liability big time, in particular when they faced James Harden in 2017. Lou Dort was the polar opposite. They faced the Rockets in 2020, and guess who was the superhero? Lou Dort was. Had James Harden not blocked his shot at the end of the game, they very well could have danced into the second round because he was on fire that night. I think it was 7 of 14 from three, career high 30 points at the time, and he was. 
just firing on all cylinders. And defensively, he was the problem that James Harden was just not ready for. The comparison I use is Robert Covington. He just wrapped up a contract, I think it was four years, about 46 mil, might have been 48 mil, but he's making 11 to 12 million dollars per year. He just hit free agency again. He's 31 years old, and what happened? He got picked back up for a two-year, $24 million contract. What is Robert Covington known for? He's a 3-and-D specialist. He gives you upside on the defensive end, and he's supposed to be kind of that plug-in player when you get down into the playoffs. You make a lot of money for being a playoff type of piece. Covington is 31. Lou Dort is 23. The upside is still there with Dort, and he checks as many boxes, if not more, than Robert Covington does right now. So you want to shovel out money to secure top-tier players. You know, I don't think Lou Dort is a guy that you're not playing starting caliber minutes in in a playoff series. I think that one question that will arise, and it's not something you bring up now, is how does he fit with the overall a core of this team, I think now that he is part of the established core, but with guys like SGA and Josh Giddy, you basically have to make sure that third fiddle is a catch-and-shoot stud. Dort showed that a year ago. This year, he kind of plateaued a little bit, but I think that's one big thing. Maybe Jalen Williams blossoms into that playmaker who can shoot pretty effectively, um, but In the playoffs, like I said, it's a different game. You have 82 game players and you have 16 win players. Lou Dort is a 16 win player, and that is going to be a big time piece to have. We don't know how long this rebuild is going to take in Oklahoma City. They've laid out the foundation with SGA, Giddy, and now Chet Holmgren, and they've started to kind of assort some background pieces, such as Lou Dort, such as Trey Mann. And we're going to continue to see them acquire more players of that caliber in the next couple of years. The The goal is by year four, year five in this contract, they're in the playoffs again. It might even be year three where you're talking about it. And this is going to be the piece that could win you some ball games. He can play against some of the top tier offensive players in the league, and he doesn't back down from the challenge. That's something that you need to have. And going over screens, that's one of his big traits he's a defensive juggernaut who has the offensive upside he's really grown into a player who can shoot effectively in the corners but also if there's a late closeout he can attack the basket does he create for himself not often but he's the perfect system player and I understand why 17 mil per year for the next five years could be seen as an overpay but you have to remember the cap is going to continue to rise. There's a CBA negotiation next offseason. A lot of stuff will be changing, and I'm assuming that they had financial advisors, they had people predicting what's going to happen in the near future, and they said $17.5 million for the next five. That's not backbreaking or anything. Maybe the Thunder would have considered exercising his option and going for maybe a four-year $80 million contract next year, but it's out of their control. So... The, the pro and what they did is they just secured him for the next five years. And clearly, the surrounding cast is a big fan of Dort and what he's able to provide for this basketball team. 
ended the season a little prematurely last year with injuries, but he still averaged over 17 points per game. Shot 33% from distance. And then at the line, he shot 84%. That is a major leap from where he was in his sophomore campaign. And that's just the offensive side. That's not the defensive qualities. Uh, You can tell why the Thunder really valued him. So that's the big piece that OKC really had to deal with in free agency. I don't think that there's really much of a reason for them to be negotiating other players. I've seen discussions, not even discussions, but just on Twitter, you know, um, recommendations of who might fit this team. I don't think at this stage you really want to be adding more players to this roster. Presti has said that, you know, he he's okay with cutting guaranteed money. You know, why does the roster spot matter right now? That shouldn't limit you in your decision-making. But, you know, with this group of guys, and I think with them <laughs> deciding to go a different route, Muscala in particular, I think they are kind of settled in, in what they have going. So I don't think getting a 25, 26-year-old guy uh, is necessarily going to be in the cards for them. But they get Lou Dort, and he's going to continue to play at a very high level. One of the interesting parts about this contract, which isn't really much of a surprise, is that it's backloaded. So he's going to be making roughly 15 mil this upcoming season, then 16.2 mil, 17.5 mil in that third year. And then you get that gradual rise. And that's going to be giving him 18.7 mil in 2025 to 26 and 19.9 mil in 2026 to 2027. So he matches up years with SGA with the increasing salary. It makes him expendable for potential stars. And with it being five years out, you have a long time to deal with it. You got to remember the Thunder, you know, they have a boatload of picks. The The treasure chest kind of expires around uh, when he's done in the 2027 offseason. So he's going to be here basically for the entirety of this just loot box of picks that the Thunder were able to acquire. I don't think Dort's going to be traded. I think that's just important to mention because when you have stars on the market, you have to have players that can match salary, and Lou Dort most definitely does that. It's going to make sense when I go into a later segment here, but just keep that in mind. I want to talk about the other three options the Thunder considered this past week, but first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Up on the tap for the Thunder, you have the Summer League in Utah and in Vegas. We'll have to see if you can throw down any money, but they should have a strong core, all things considered. Might want to check in on what you could find there and some of their upcoming games. I think they have three nationally televised games, which is 
heard of based on what we've seen the last year. I think the last nationally televised game came from the Oklahoma City Blue in December. So we'll see them on the bright lights, see them on DraftKings Sportsbook potentially. You never know. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you guys are able to make that risk-free bet. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing on though, guys, we got through the big deal in Lou Dort. Now it's about filling out the remainder of your roster. The OKC Thunder have been dealing with this crazy, crazy roster crunch. They entered the week with basically 20 players. And you can't forget, they've signed two guys to exhibit 10s. Jaden Shackelford and Gabe Brown. So they're on the doorstep of, you know, 22 players, basically. You have to cut that down to 15, and obviously you can have the two two two-way contracts have one of those filled already with Lindy Waters. So you have to start looking to trim down the roster, and that's what they were faced with uh, in the days leading up to free agency. You get the two big ones pre-free agency announcement with Isaiah Roby and Mike Muscala. OKC kind of split the bill here. They decided that they were going to exercise Isaiah Roby's option. That was a $1.9 million option. So he is going to be non-guaranteed up until July 3rd. But once July 3rd passes, he's going to be fully guaranteed for his final season on the roster. And with this, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. But you're going to get one more year to kind of evaluate him. On the flip side, though, Mike Muscala, as you all remember, last offseason, he went to the exit interviews and, you know, he was really uh, emotional almost talking about this Thunder group. He was all in about the team he wanted to return, and Sam Presti gave him exactly that a two year deal worth $7 million, team option in the middle, get to this, go around, and. They decided they would decline the team option. So Mike Muscala is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's going to be an amazing bench player for a playoff roster. I guarantee teams were interested last summer. Same's going to stick around for this one. Shot around 44% from distance. Beautiful option as a trailer in um, you know half-court situations. He can kind of hide in the shadows, sneak up in a wing, and hit a three. Fits perfectly for the pick-and-pop game, and you know, for playoff contenders, that's what you want to utilize your MLEs or your minimum uh, you know, contracts on. So right on for Mike Muscala. I think he's going to get a good contract, and he's going to be in a situation where he should be able to contend, which OKC, right now, it's clear they're rebuilding. Um, but you know, he played a very pivotal part in the early rebuilding process with this team. The first real veteran that, that kind of hung around and... I'm sure that a lot of these youngsters, like, they're going to credit a lot to Muscala and what he provided in the two seasons, you know, with this franchise. Going along with that, I think we got to talk about Isaiah Roby because some 
I actually saw online were a little upset that Roby's contract got exercised. Why? Yeah, this was basically risk-free because this just moves the guaranteed deadline back a couple days to July 3rd. You can continue to look at potential free agents. I don't think they're going to add anybody, but maybe someone um, you know who they didn't expect to be there is available. Kessler Edwards is an interesting one out of... Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, his option ended up getting just, you know, declined. So he's able to go anywhere. Maybe the Thunder would be interested in that. Uh, just stuff along those lines. But with Roby, you know, he's deserving of an NBA contract. It's just more of, is he the right guy for OKC system? And I think, you know, he did a good job as a fill-in five for the last two seasons he had to basically play the role of revolving door and that takes a lot of strength to do that honestly because he was just getting flipped back and forth between you're sitting right next to the Gatorade tub or you're the one going for the tip off against Nikola Jokic in a Friday night game you know like it was just so on and off but regardless he always you know stood up to the test and put up Pretty solid numbers. Average career highs across the board this year. 10.1 points per game. 4.8 rebounds. 1.6 assists. Did it in 21.1 minutes. And shot 44% from downtown. 44 of 99 was the end stat line for him. He was one of their most consistent options in the pick and pop game. And that's how they operated to close the year. When they decided to sunset a lot of their centers, you didn't see JRE due to his injury. Derek Favors wasn't playing too often. It was Isaiah Roby starting, or pretty close to it. He'd set a screen, fade to the top of the key, and just pop it. And he basically mastered it. Roby has been doubted basically ever since the Thunder acquired him. He was part of the trade that sent Justin Patton over to the Mavericks for Roby. So... The Thunder basically gave up nothing, Um, but, you know, he didn't play much his first season with the Thunder, comes in for the second year and has to start, like I said, and he has to start in a position he's never played before. In the preseason, people thought he was a cut. I thought that he was going to get cut in the preseason. Frank Jackson was tearing it up. I thought that maybe they would like someone like Admiral Schofield in that training camp, but by the end of the first game, you knew he was not getting cut. Him and Teo were dominant together against the San Antonio Spurs, pick and roll over and over again. I think over half of Teo Maladon's points um, you know, were contributed somehow to Roby. I think it was the inverse of that. I think over like 60% of Isaiah Roby's points had been accounted for by Teo, which basically means Teo assisted on them. It was like the yin and yang type deal on some of these screens and even from outside. So he moves on to the regular season, has to start in 34 of the team's games, and he was still pretty good. Like, was he getting abused around the paint in some instances? Yes. But you saw shades of him being a good player this year, has to deal with even more taxing rotational hoops because they brought in JRE and his spot was basically taken away. He waited for his opportunity, made the most of it, and he's an NBA player. It's as simple as that. I think that ideally he's a power forward, 
the way he's been utilized with the Thunder, you can see that, you know, maybe he would be a competent small ball five. You just can't play him against starting caliber bigs. You know, a back-to-basket big is going to eat his lunch around in the post. And on the flip side, Roby has the athletic ability and he has the shooting potential to maybe counteract that. But it's kind of a risky game. I think he's a power forward on your ideal roster. And the Thunder just have so many different players to where he's kind of just been always the odd man out. And he doesn't deserve it because he always plays great. So I don't know if he's the odd man out within the organization. They clearly want to see more of him based on exercising his option. But you have to deal with Baisley, Poku, Jamichael Green if he hangs around. Holmgren's going to be playing that five spot. Jeremiah Robinson Earl very likely could be that backup center. But what about Jalen Williams out of Arkansas? He could also blossom there. And you still have to worry, not even worry, but you have to take into account Derek Favors. If he's still on the roster, you still have to find that balance of playing him and letting your young core play some games. So it's just, it's very tight. I think the best option would be almost moving down to the three, but I don't think that's in the cards there. So it's going to be another training camp type of situation where he has to sort of fight through that. I bet he sticks around past July 3rd. I don't think he gets waived um, because if they were going to do that, I think it's a disservice to, you know, pick up this this option just to cut him like a couple days in a free agency. If they were going to do that, they were going to be transparent about it. I think he's another training camp type of player. With Muscala out, that obviously sheds the roster one spot. And now you move on to Teo, who there has been no official word on things, but we've seen from Spot Track, which is basically the website that covers all statistics. Keith Smith, uh, Keith Smith works there. It looks like that they have exercised his option, so he'll be hanging around another season. Should be around that ballpark range of $1.8, $1.9 million. This is another one where... Some might be a little bit confused. You shouldn't be. Teo just turned 21 years old. And after his rookie season, it seemed like he was going to be the foregone six-man on this team. It did not work out this year for him. He got pushed out. He lost basically a positional battle. Best two out of three got to move on. And he got pushed behind the curtains. Trey Mann stepped up. Ty Jerome stepped up. And Teo... It just wasn't in sync in November of this year. So he had to play with the OKC Blue, kind of had to earn his stripes again, did well, and got to close out the season with some pretty strong performances. So he showed flashes yet again, but was it to the degree of he's going to be your sixth man? No. You know, this was a year where he got kind of that rotational crunch because of SGA returning, and his overall role did take a... A bit of a hit due to that. When you look at his overall stats, it wasn't like on paper he played terrible. He averaged 7.1 points, 2.6 boards, and 2.2 assists. The shooting splits are, you know, what kind of concern you. He shot 37.5% from the floor, 29.3% from distance, and 44.9% on twos. The big thing you need to look out is the, as the three-pointer because Teo's goal going into the year or, you know, basically the, the team needs 
said that Teo had to be a catch-and-shoot threat. If he was going to stay on the court, not only did he have to be an on-ball guy, but off the ball, he needed to be that compatible catch-and-shoot guy next to SGA or Ty. That's kind of how it was to begin the year. Could not buy a bucket from downtown. And that was just sort of the story there. Inside, he has a very soft touch on floaters, but they were not falling. And I think because of that, you also saw a bit of a hit in terms of the passing game. He's very good coming out of the pick and roll where he, you know, goes above that screen. If his defender goes above the screen, he positions himself, basically uses his rear end to push you back, creates space and drives to the basket. It's one of his marquee moves and it yielded results as a rookie. You didn't see it as often this year because of how the ball handling distribution was. He just wasn't the first in command until about the last four or five games. So he was really restrained in what I think his actual role would be in the league. He's still a project piece, and the numbers were not great. You have to remember, this Thunder team is still looking to pan some diamonds per se. Looked good when he was starting, and I still think he has some very good qualities as an NBA passer. As a shooter, he didn't play on par. I think that in the rotational game, he's kind of outside of it right now because you can only have four guards playing in this rotation. You have to know kind of the dynamics between Giddy and Dort, but those are a bit interchangeable. And because of it, I think you can only have four true backcourt guys and that's been established through this year's draft lottery SGA Josh Giddy, Trey Mann and J-Dub now you have Teo and you have Ty Jerome on the outside looking in I think that Ty Jerome would be gone before Teo personally I know that Ty is guaranteed a little bit over four million dollars this year but you know Presti said that Bennett's not afraid to you know shed some guaranteed money in the name of evaluating the roster spots. Both of them could be gone for this sake. But there's more potential with Teo, I believe. And with how the team functions, I think that he's a bit of a better playmaker. Is he a better off-ball type of guy? I don't know about that. I think Ty would be. But Ty also didn't perform well this season either. He was not a good three-point shooter. And that was his calling card when he recovered from his injury in his sophomore season in OKC. So, Teo got his option exercised. I also think he's a training camp type of player, and he's going to be playing with Team France tomorrow. Same goes with Jalen Horde. Lou Dorton, SGA are also getting ready to play for Team Canada. So, that's going to be very interesting to see them in the FIBA qualifiers. Two games for everybody and even Omer Yurt 7's getting in on the action with Team Turkey so I'll be checking it out giving you guys the scoop on that stuff just a cool little tidbit on where you can find Teo before he potentially moves over to the summer league we will see how that all unfolds another thing we're waiting to see unfold is just the whole entire picture from free agency because free agency started before the clock struck five and I'm not just talking about it because there was tampering um but because Kevin Durant decided to drop a bombshell Kevin Durant likes throwing curveballs in free agency we saw it in 2016 I think at this point you know it's sort of 
in the past. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm over it. Um, I know, you know, some could, could not be over it and you could understand why, but you know, he, he made that summer a big, big day for the Thunder organization. And then after winning his two trophies in Golden State, two finals MVPs, books it over to Brooklyn, and you have this presumptive super team that no one's ever going to be able to touch. KD reunites with James Harden. Kyrie Irving decides to join. James Harden and and Kevin Durant are going to win you titles. Like Just those two as a duo should get the job done. Kyrie Irving added to that is an insane trio that I just don't know how you defend. And luckily, the the league didn't have to worry about it because they basically just imploded from the inside. James Harden won it out. Obviously, good stealth to Philadelphia. Kyrie Irving this past week has been all over the place, and he decided that um, he was going to stick around. I don't know if it's because there wasn't a trade, but he, he opted in. And Kevin Durant now, about three hours before the gates open to free agency. He wants out of Brooklyn. Talks to the ownership group. Has his manager. Go talk to them as well. Don't know how serious it is. Whether it's a request or a demand. I think those are two very different words. When you're talking. You know how things could get swayed. But. It looks like he's over it. And he wants to have a different kind of scenery. Phoenix was the preferred destination. I think Chris Haynes reported that. And Miami has also been reported as a a team that he'd be interested in. We're talking about Kevin Durant, man. This is not your typical person asking out of a trade or asking to be traded. Just doesn't happen. Superstars like this, they leave in free agency. They don't leave as part of basically a trade demand. He's on the doorstep of 34. He's going to be 34 when he goes to play for whatever his next team is next year. And his contract still has four years on tap. So you're not just trading for a year or two of Kevin Durant. You're trading for basically the remainder of Kevin Durant's span on top of the NBA world. And you know, at the end of his four-year contract, maybe he's still effective. I don't think he's going to be making $53 million. Anyways, though, this is a full contract you're talking about, and you're talking about one of the greatest players, not just to touch the basketball floor, but in the current league, one of the best players in the game. Maybe you can make the case for one or two players ahead of him, but he's a top three player in the league, and if someone says he's the best player in basketball right now, can you really argue it by much? You can make a pitch, but I don't think you can call them out because that's not a terrible take to say that. He's such a difficult problem offensively. Seven-footer who can make it from damn near anywhere on the floor. Anyone would want that. Reports say 15 teams were asking on KD. I think every team should be asking on KD. The Thunder, maybe they ask, but I don't think they really... I don't really think they want KD right now. With where they're positioned, it'd be cool to just mention it, but you can't trade for KD. You have all the picks in the world. Trade all the the Clippers' late 20s picks for the next five years, a couple of your own, and um, Lou Dort, maybe. We'll throw him back in the conversation. I I I don't think it's possible, though. And SGA, who would be your best 
asset can't even be traded to the Nets because they already have Ben Simmons. It doesn't matter. I think it's just something cool that I saw on the ESPN broadcast. But yeah, the Thunder aren't trading for Kevin Durant. Maybe they get involved as the third team, but it'd have to be with Miami. I would believe so. If I'm in Brooklyn shoes, if I'm managing the team right now, I'm the GM. I'm not even talking to the teams that are atop the rumor mill. Miami, you don't give me a good enough offer. Phoenix, you don't give me a good enough offer. What is Miami going to bring to me? Are they giving me Bam out of bio or are they bringing me Jimmy Butler? No. No, they're not. You're going to be giving me guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson's contract is not looking great right now. I think he's averaging about $18 million per season. And Tyler Hero, even though he's been a promising young player, just was the sixth man of the year, is this the guy that's going to change your franchise? No, that's not going to tilt you one way or the other on a Kevin Durant trade. And if you're trading KD over there, you got to remember that all the picks belong to Houston. They traded all their picks in the Harden trade. So if they don't have a playoff team for the next five years, they're shooting themselves in the in the foot, and they're just going to be on the decline. You're not trading Kevin Durant for Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Gabe Vincent, whoever you want to throw in there. It's it's not going to work, even with picks. I don't think that's valuable for them. With Phoenix, some of the deals that could be had, they have DeAndre Ayton for a signing trade. They just picked up Nick Claxton on a two-year, $20 million contract. Is that a make or break? I don't think so, but it tells you they have someone in mind there. Aiton would have to be the center part of the deal. It's already been shown that Aiton's probably not going to be with the, the Suns again. Mikhail Bridges, I think, would have to be involved. And then you start piling on pick after pick. That's not... I, I think it's a better offer than Miami, maybe. But that's not going to be the money trade I think the best team that the Nets could possibly trade for right now is actually New Orleans because they have young talent really across the board they also have draft equity they have pick after pick from Los Angeles because the AD trade and then they have two layers of just young talent who's at the helm of this they have Brandon Ingram and they have Zion Williamson I don't think CJ's in a trade here If you get Brandon Ingram or Zion in a trade, I think that trumps any other card out there right now. The the 76ers, maybe, with Maxi, Toby, Picks. But I think I still would like Brandon Ingram or Zion there. Would the Pelicans want to trade Zion Williamson? I don't know. I think, personally, they don't really need to move. I think the way their team is lined up, they're going to be a very scary team in a couple years. And they have so many different guys that are going to be able to contribute. Not just in this front line of guys like Devontae Graham, McCollum, Ingram, Zion, and and Jonas if they bring him back. But look at the bench unit where you have Trey Murphy. You have guys such as Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado. Dyson Daniels, EJ Liddell. This is a good group that they're building over here. And they have picks, so they're going to continue to build or they're going to trade picks uh, for you know a big-time player. The big-time player would be Kevin Durant. Let's not fool ourselves here. If you plug in Kevin Durant with McCollum 
and Ingram or Zion. It's kind of either or there. You're going to have a very good roster set in place. I would think Dyson Daniels would probably have to be included in a deal. Same with some picks. But for New Orleans, clearly it makes you that contender type team. And for the Nets, you get some security both in the now and in the long term with someone such as Daniels. So I think that's the best spot for the Nets to call up right now. If Durant becomes hellbent on one of these teams, it kind of suffocates you a little bit. But if KD's not busting the door down and get traded somewhere or to a particular spot, you start asking teams such as the Pelicans, such as the Raptors, to get young players and current pieces that will make you a playoff contender that's on the rise because you know they don't have the benefit of going full tank mode like the Spurs did with the DeJounte Murray trade and just getting rid of Lonnie Walker for the sake of some of their draft selections. So they have their hands tied. I still think they can wiggle out of it trading KD. All right. Kyrie, that's a very hard one to move away from. Maybe, just maybe, you get the deal out of the Lakers. Looks like the only option to me. But Kevin Durant's the big-time player on the market, and he didn't even let me get into the deals because that is what has basically taken over today's day of coverage. Still has had some some shakeups. You had Jalen Brunson basically signed with the Knicks before he was allowed to. Now, the deal was wrong when it was reported. It was a four-year, $110 million contract, I believe. Now it's down to $104 million. So, shed a little six mil to try to save a second-round pick. We'll see if the NBA thinks it's tampering. That's kind of um, one of those deals where it, it would be very, very intriguing. I think they have to have an investigation, and if they don't, that's just a disservice to you know the two teams that got hit this year and what happened with their draft selection. That was sort of the big one that we ended up seeing go down. You know, outside of that, you saw some extensions. Bradley Beal returning with the Wizards, five years, two hundred fifty-one million dollars. Good on Bradley Beal. You know, I'd imagine at this rate he's just going to stick around with Washington the remainder of his career. Got drafted in twenty twelve. He's been a hell of a player at 29 years old now. So we'll see. I'm really rooting for him. You know, he hasn't been in a situation to contend yet, but he would be an amazing co-star on any contender. And and he definitely kind of pushed them into contender status, given they already have some foundation. We'll see how everything shakes out with um, him in those next five years, though. Anthony Simons, basically the protege to cj mccollum he ends up getting paid four years 100 million dollars good on him and then you got lou who as of right now looks to be the third highest paid player that you know entered and i i guess actually you could scratch that you call him the fourth highest if you include beal it'd be beal brunson simons and then dort with his $87.5 million contract. Tyus Jones sticking around with the Grizzlies is something that I'm really happy about, and it's the pay. He's getting paid two years, $30 million. Tyus Jones has been the most underrated player in the league for a couple years. I think now it's not really a thing. I think people kind of know that, and 
that's when it starts tilting the other way. But he's such a smart decision maker. When you look at the assist to turnover ratio, he leads the league basically every single season. And it's because he doesn't make many mistakes. You want to have a backup such as Tyus Jones. That is the ideal backup point guard. And he can even start whenever someone like Ja is hurt. So I think they played it beautifully in getting him back for another two seasons. One downside is that they ended up losing out on Kyle Anderson. He's going to be going to the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, excuse me. And they basically drafted three different Kyle Anderson replacements in this draft. So you would think one of them sticks. I really like Vince Williams out of VCU. He was their last selection, but I do like his two-way upside. So he could try to fill in some of those gashes. Jayshon Tate from the Houston Rockets. He gets paid a three-year, $22 million deal. I remember the days where Jayshon Tate was being compared to Lou Dort. Big-time difference in pay this offseason. Still a good interior player. About 27 years old now for them. Came from the NBL, so that's why he's a bit older in age, despite just wrapping up that rookie-scale contract. Thunder haven't been too active outside of what they did with Lou Dort. I have an update, though. As you guys are listening, you probably heard me talk about Muscala and how he is off the team. Well, there actually just was a report as I was talking about this that, no, in fact, he is going to be returning on a one-year veteran minimum contract. So that is pretty cool. He's going to be hanging around, I guess, uh, to continue the mentorship program. This comes from Darren, uh, Darren Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. This is out of Minnesota. So basically where Muscala went to high school. This is coming from the high school reporter, basically. And um, yeah, he's saying he's re-signing with the Thunder on a one-year veteran minimum deal. So he just took a pay cut in order to return to the Thunder. That's the moose for you, man. He is all about this organization. I talked about earlier in this how his press conference last summer was... You know, one where you won the Kleenex box out, but he's sticking around. And forget about me talking about them alleviating some of this roster crunch. We're right back up there. What is this, like 20, 22 players if you want to include the Exhibit 10s? Oh, they are so rocking and rolling right now. That's beautiful. So welcome back, Mike Muscala. He's going to be probably still fielding those four or five minutes. And because of this, I would assume... You start looking at guys like Jermichael Green and Derek Favors. Muscala is going to be your veteran. I think Jermichael Green, Presti mentioned it. I think he's gone, whether he's released or traded. Based on the time, as I'm recording this, it's it's 10.30. So they have 30 minutes to make more moves. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's going to be sticking around for the next 30. So any transaction is going to go against this roster um, or the salary cap here. But... I think Muscala is now that front and center veteran, just as he was last year. So that's a really nice touch on on the Thunder and, and what they're building here. Still going to be 
one of, I guess now he's one of three 30-year-olds, but you're still talking between him, Green, and Derek Favors. Maybe he's the oldest guy by the end of, um, you know, the next couple weeks and going into training camp. But he adds really value, valuable sharpshooting. As I said earlier in the podcast, when you needed a trailer and a, and a half court or when you were going fast break, decided to kind of ease up on the gas pedal, Someone like SGA would just be lurking at the right wing. Muscala, out of nowhere, gets right behind SGA. Just a little kick out to him, and he just launches a deep-range three. He's able to convert. OKC needs floor spacing, so this isn't just a little kind gesture here. This is a legitimate help uh, to this team because they need three-point shooting, and Muscala is very, very productive here. Still think you're going to be dealing with the kind of seesaw of veteran play versus rookie play. Maybe Jalen Williams is going to play back and fro between the blue and the thunder, but that's what we're looking at now. No one has been moved to this point. Nothing has been shed on this team. They're going to be going into summer league, barring any other moves, with 20-plus guys to be dealing with, and we will see who else gets signed to training camp contracts. Lindy Waters, I'm basically 100% sure he's going to be on this roster. The plan is that he will be in summer league, and I couldn't tell you much else beyond that. Robert Baker out of the Stockton Kings will be there. Jaden Shackelford will. Gabe Brown will. The rookies, I would assume... I think Jalen Williams, both Jalen Williamses will be there. Usman Jang should be Chet. I think you also want to try to get him some reps there. I think it gets murky when you're talking guys such as Josh Giddy and Alexei Bulgashevsky. But they're going to have some reps in Summer League. That's going to help out big time. And, you know, they're going to have some roster chemistry whenever they get to see Mike Muscala in training camp. So that's a really cool little touch to the pod. I do want to say a few more deals that kind of caught my attention before rounding out this pod though. And it's going to take us to the Clippers basically just having monopoly money. They continue to throw out eight figure deals to players. Nicholas Batum gets re-signed to a two year, $22 million contract. Amir Coffey, three year, $11 million contract. Earlier, they ended up signing John Wall, or the the assumption is John Wall's getting signed to an MLE. So they're just getting player after player right now. And honestly, good for them. They have such a scary team, and they haven't been able to be healthy to this point. I think a healthy squad there is going to make some serious damage. And for the Thunder, you know, it's not the greatest because they have all these different picks of the clips and they're not going to be very high first rounders but they just lucked out this year getting pick number 12 basically out of thin air that's what positioned themselves to get three players in the top 12 and be able to get Jalen Williams because it was an either or based on what we heard because Cleveland liked Jang and they liked Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara as well I want to round this out with just one more deal that I don't think anybody's going to care about, but if you guys know me, you know that I care a lot about the G League and just what the league offers. There's serious value that you that you can find there, and 
there's so many different types of players. I think when you talk about scorers, you'll find NBA-level scorers in the G League anytime you, you flip on a game. There are some very lethal on-ball creators. Craig Randall and um, Carson Edwards average about 27 points this past season. But the big thing is, if you're making the jump from the G League to the NBA, you can't be a one-trick pony. You can't be a, a great on-ball scorer because your job's not going to be an on-ball scorer in the NBA. You're going to have to be a fill-in guy that's going to be the back-end rotation piece. We just got news that the G League MVP, the G League Finals MVP too, and Trevor and Queen has been signed to a two-year contract by the Philadelphia 76ers. It's a two-year, $3.4 million contract. Only this year is guaranteed, but I'm really happy to see that. Queen was easily the best player that you saw in the G League last year. And in the finals, it's actually funny. The Rio Grande Valley Vipers, that's where he played at. They faced up against the Delaware Blue Coats, which is the 76ers G League affiliate. Game three, or it, it might have been game, yeah, I think it was game three. But anyways, they were in Delaware for this. If Rio Grande wins, they end up getting the championship. I don't know if he hit a three or what happened, but he runs to center court and he did like something with the logo. I don't, I don't know if he like stomped on the, the blue coat logo or what it was, but there was some chippy play in that game. And I think the... The guys there, obviously they didn't take it to heart because they just signed him, but they were impressed with what they saw uh, to kind of give him a, a roster spot. And I'm very curious what some of these other G League guys fetch on the market. Now, some of these guys have already um, kind of committed to summer league rosters, and that's fine. That doesn't mean they're not going to be free agents at the same time, though. Like, if DJ Wilson gets a phone call from the Lakers, he's going to be a Laker the next day. It doesn't matter where he's going to be in the summer league. Screw the Summer League, man. I'm now part of an NBA roster. That was the end goal for some of these guys. And, you know, you can't pass up on an opportunity such as that one. So Trevlin's going to be gone. Very curious, like I noted, on where the two-way contracts get allotted and if there's any more standard deals going out to some G League players from this past season. So I'll keep you guys plugged in on that. Keep you guys plugged in on any other Thunder news as we get it in. As of right now, it seems like we've hit every single target. And Mike Muscala's back, which, that's cool. So, yeah, I'll be doing probably a roster breakdown. As we get the Summer League roster in, too, I'll make sure to go one by one on some of these players. If you guys haven't already seen on SI.com slash NBA slash Thunder, you guys can check out my Summer League profiles already posted on Jaden Shackelford, Gabe Brown, Robert Baker, and Lindy Waters the third what to expect from them, and their overall roster outlook going into training camp. I'll have more as we get word on it. want to drop a shout-out to Xavier Simpson, too, before I close out the pod. He's going to be playing for the Orlando Magic Summer League team. Cannot wait to see him, and the Magic actually have a date with the Thunder in the Las Vegas Summer League, so keep your eyes peeled for July 11th. That's going to be an absolute fireworks show, but that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.